that was where I really figured out how Asian yes. girls are viewed. Oh, yeah, like the weird fetishes. God, the amount of guys who would be like, oh my gosh, no. you want to watch anime? Dude, just because I'm Asian does not mean I want to watch anime with you. But it's like... <laughs> Hey, and welcome to I'm Adopted, Now What? A podcast where we talk about all things race, culture, and identity, one chat at a time. This is for people who want to get real, get deep, and figure out, now what? I'm your host, Liza. Welcome to the podcast. In this chat, I talk to my new friend, Michelle. She's a friend of Addie's from the last episode, and she's also adopted. Her and her family are from upstate New York, and she currently works and lives in North Carolina. In this episode, we chat about her experience being adopted from South Korea, the idea of real parents, and what it means to feel more white than Asian. All right, let's get into the episode. Hi, Michelle. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi. Okay, great. Hi. Nice to meet you. Sorry, I'm just making sure everything is like not going to ding on my computer. That's okay. No worries. You know, I kind of feel like little sounds like that in the background always kind of add a homey feel anyway. (laughs) So it is all good. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me. I really appreciate this. How do you know Addie? She and I, oh gosh, when did we meet? I think I met her in seventh grade, she was like the fir- one of the first new people in our school in a while. Oh, wow. Yeah, but my best friend is a twin, and her and her twin knew Addie somehow and introduced me to her when we were in seventh grade. And then after that, I've been really great friends with her ever since. Oh, nice. That's so cool. Yeah. How do you know Addie? I... The way I remember it is we met at like this Camp Peregrine, which I think was like a summer camp. camp. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were in like second grade. I don't know. We were like really little. And all I remember is like the drop off was at this pavilion. (laughs) And we had this like icebreaker where we all had to pair up. And we were like the only two left without a pair. And so I went over to her and I was like, do you want to be bear, like a pair? And then I think that day, like the first day of camp, by the end, we were like, oh my God, do you want to come over to, her, to my house? And like, we can like play whatever it was that you play when you're oh that my age. Gosh, that's so cute. Yeah. And then like our families had a lot in common. Like, we were both adopted, and both our parents were older, and, like, like both knew the, like, upstate New York area, Mm -hmm. and we're both, like, somewhat in academia, and it was just kind of funny. That's so awesome. So, you're adopted, right? Yes. Where were you adopted from? I was adopted from South Korea. Okay, cool. And what exactly about... Like my project made you interested and kind of open to having this conversation with me. So I don't know if Addie told you this, but when we were growing up in high school, my friends who introduced me to her, like the twins, they're both adopted from China. There were Mm -hmm. 
a bunch of girls. I think there was like seven of us just in my class alone that were adopted from Asia. I think everyone but me was from China. There were like a high proportion of our grade were girls adopted from Asia. Wow. It was super random because we only like my graduating class was like 97 kids. Yeah, so small. Yeah, in very small town, very white, upstate New York. It was super, super random. So I grew up with it super normalized where, like, I had a bunch of friends who were adopted. And then I went to North Carolina State University in Raleigh. And I quickly remembered and was very much reminded that this was not normal in, of course, like, every day. And Raleigh is kind of in the bible belt so it's very southern baptist Mm -hmm. and very much like most people i knew their parents hadn't even like adoption isn't even something that really crossed people's minds that much and so while i was in college i got really comfortable with just talking about how adoption is normal and Mm -hmm. it's a very good option for people and I just really love anything that helps normalize the idea of adoption for people, especially since I know a lot of people I talked to when I was younger saw it as like, oh, the parents are doing the adopted child a favor or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so I love any projects that help destigmatize adoption and just really let people know that it's an incredible option. It has a lot of intricacies and just putting that information out in the world. Like the idea of, you know, like normalizing adoption and like, what does that even mean? And I remember like when I was applying to colleges, you had to fill out all those forms. I remember wishing like when it asks, check whatever box you are. And I always resented having to check the Asian American box and not having like the opportunity to explain this like, but sentence that I felt always. My arms are like, but yes, I feel that on like a spiritual level, I have always, especially when I was younger, like I knew I was Asian, but at the same time, it's so different than just being an Asian American. Yeah. Yeah, Like I always thought like, wouldn't it be nice if there was like a box at the end that was like, are you adopted? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. And then I felt, I don't know why, but I felt like somehow saying that I was adopted would make whoever was looking at the form, like understand that like, oh no, no, no. This isn't like a Chinese person. This is like, this is like an American girl. Right. And I remember like, like my mom grew up in Jersey, like she was born and raised in America. And my dad was from England. And so they were both white, super Jewish, like all grew up on the East Coast. And I remember like, to this day, I still will forget that, that I don't look white. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so crazy. Like, I forget that to other people, I look like an Asian person. Yeah. I do the same um, thing. And like, I have primarily dated white guys. Yes. And like, my boyfriend right now is half Indian, half white, but he a lot of the time passes for white. 
And honestly, I feel like more people ask if he has like Hispanic roots than yeah. So, so like the people have asked me like, oh, what's it like to be in an interracial relationship? Like, is it weird to date a white guy and you're Asian? And it's like, have you seen my family? Yeah. Like there's just, I like that I feel like is what I want to try and part of what I want to try and do like through this podcast project is sort of like change the way that people talk about adoption and how you can be more than oh where are you from or like what race are you on a form you know so are you an only child do you have siblings I have one older brother and he's also adopted do you talk about adoption with him at all yeah so my parents were super proactive and the our kids are going to know they're adopted very young in life we're only two years apart in age our teachers would be like do your parents know, like, do they talk to you about this? And they called our mom at one point, I'm pretty sure. And they were like, no. you should talk to your children about this. And she was like, what are you talking about? They've known forever. Wow. And that's like just such a clear example of how people are just so like, don't have the language or know how to like communicate with people who are adopted which is like aka if you're wondering exactly the same as how you would like (laughs) interact with anybody else like you wouldn't ask your you wouldn't like if you weren't adopted I don't think they'd be asking they'd be calling your mom asking like oh "Oh, can you please like oh are you like something about like the behavior of her children or something you know like that would never happen and thankfully, like, I was always really glad that our parents knew. My mom even has a book that she gave me. But apparently she read it to me when I was a baby. But it's called, like, What Happens When You're Adopted from South Korea. And it's a big <laughs> book of, like, black and white pictures. But she told me that was one of the first books she used to read to me. Wow, that's hilarious. That's exactly like my mom. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I feel exactly the same. Like, there was never... Like, a, oh, did you ever have a sit down conversation where they're like, you're adopted? And like, this is what that means. And like, no, it was just really obvious yeah. to me always that they look different than me. And like, that was fine. Like, I never questioned it. I never had like any sort of, oh, I feel like they're not my family no. or they're not my real parents or anything. Like, I was spared all of that. Yeah. And like a bunch of my friends, especially when I moved down in South would ask me like, oh, when did your parents tell you? Did they have this big sit down conversation? If I ever wanted to find my quote unquote real parents, and that always mm-hmm. frustrated me. These are my parents. This is my family. Yes. I always used to like get so like secretly frustrated and just kind of like yes. smile and like nod it off. Yeah. Because it feels like like at the same time, you don't want to seem like a crazy person because, or at least for me, like I knew that they wouldn't get it even if I tried right. to explain. And so it was just like this frustrating like battle inside my head between what would even be the point of correcting them if I know that they're not going to get it. Exactly. It took me until I went to law school probably to figure out how to say it without reacting super emotionally. Yeah, I think until I went to law school and probably even into my first or second year of law school to really have to sit down and be like, 
no. And I could finally calmly explain like, no, like I understand what you mean, but this is my real family. And like biology is not necessarily family for everyone. But it took me, I mean, until my early and mid twenties to finally figure out like how to answer those questions without being hyper emotional about it. Cause I would get so offended and just silently seethe. Yeah. Like I remember one of my mom's friends or something was doing a project for their college, you know, final whatever. And it was about adoption because they were adopted and I spoke with them on the phone. And I remember feeling super proud because I was like, no, I don't feel like Chinese at all. I don't feel like I have any other cultural influence other than white American. And at that, like a fairly squarely in the middle class, relatively wealthy, privileged white American culture. And I was very much the same way. And I, yeah. And like, I remember feeling super proud of that. And my therapist says that, like, that was a mode, like a functioning mode for me that carried me for so long and served me until like now because I felt I no longer felt like identifying as white was something to right. be proud of. No, I definitely understand that. I, for the longest time, and like, it was very much you're just part of this family. I grew up in a fairly privileged family. My parents are both engineers. And so Mm -hmm. it was very much like race didn't define me or that's what I grew up in my head being like, oh, it's not a racial thing. It's this family. Exactly. Um, And my family just happens to be white, Italian, and Irish. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I grew up really identifying with like Italian food, my Irish Graham and I are very close, like, and enveloping yeah. myself in white American culture. And then I moved to the South, which, <laughs> oh, small town New York, it was a very rude beginning to move down <laughs> to the South and immediately be slapped with, like, you are not white. One of the first questions I was <laughs> asked was, what was it like to date a white guy? And I was like, it's like dating someone. I don't know what to tell you guys, but it was very clear that I was no longer able to just ignore my race. Yeah, that is so, so interesting. I can't say that I have ever spent like an extended period of time in the South. So I don't really know what that's like, but I can only imagine I don't necessarily recommend it, but I stayed here through <laughs> all of undergrad, all of law school, and now I'm the practicing attorney here. So it can't be that wow. terrible, but especially in COVID times, like if I went to the grocery yeah. store or to like run some errands without my boyfriend who passes for white, I've been, right. I've had awful things said to me during COVID because wow. you can tell under my mask that I am Asian. I do know after living in New York for 18 years and then living in the South for seven or eight years now, it's much more blatant and open in the South. Like people are unapologetic about it. 
sometimes here. Whereas in the North, I feel like wow. even if someone was racist or there was some prejudice there, it was very backhanded and very like two-faced. But they're so much yeah. more willing to say shitty things to you. Yeah, I like that I feel like is something I have not necessarily experienced. And I think that's something that made me feel really guilty. I think I it lived in my head in a world where I yeah. wasn't adopted. And like I just couldn't do that anymore. Like in COVID and in the Black Lives Matter movement and in, you know, this election where ev- and in this year where everything and all the stakes are so high. Like it just wasn't serving me anymore. And I had yeah, to I think it. it's awesome too that like you are taking this time to really like dig into that too. And I think also because I've been away from my family for so long, I just find it easier to process some of the racial stuff that I know they won't necessarily understand as much away. And I very much have learned to compartmentalize some of it just because I know my parents did everything they could to raise me like in a very inclusive way. And when they asked me if I wanted to learn about like Korean culture and stuff like that, as a child, I straight up told them no. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I never want to put, I know that they did as much as they possibly could to try to integrate me into like the Korean adoptee culture. And I was the one who said Mm -hmm. no as a child. So I never want to put how I now as an adult have to process my race on them because I know they couldn't have done anything more for me I know it really affects them too like the fact that I do get treated differently than the rest of my family the fact I have experienced some fairly blatant racism in my life and I never want to put that on them because it's really not on them it's on the external world This episode is sponsored by, you guessed it, no one, still no one. But today, for this quick interlude, I'm going to tell you about my loopy phone case. Now, I had seen this on YouTube from one of the, I don't know, one of the YouTube influencers that I follow, and I'd seen it around before on social media, and I got to the point where I needed a new phone case, so I said, okay, let me go try it. And you guys, it is so handy. Now, let me tell you, I have moved into an apartment where going and walking the dogs is quite the the to-do. There's a lot of steps and it takes some time. And it has actually been really helpful to be able to like hold on to my entire phone with one finger because I just loop my one finger on the back loop of the case. And it's never fallen off. It's the loop is like rubber or silicon so it just stays in place and there's this cool installation that they send you instructions for and I really love it. I'm considering getting a new phone soon and I am definitely going to be getting a loopy case when I do. Okay, thanks for listening to me talk about my phone case. Now let's get back to the episode. Black Lives Matter movement for me, I got super into like race and my cultural identity 
right around my senior year of college. So I did a thesis on like first generation adoptees versus or transracially adopted children versus first generation immigrants. And so, yeah, I got real focused on that for a full year. It was the best amount of research I've ever been able to do. And I was able to do it primarily on the Korean adoptee community too. Mm -hmm. And so having that basis of really understanding that what I go through is a very prototypical path for Korean adopted children. And Mm -hmm. then just seeing how, particularly since the Black Lives Matters movement in the past few years, I was in law school during that because I graduated from law school Mm -hmm. last year. So as it was has been getting bigger and bigger the past few years, I was in law school for the majority of it. Just to understand that my Black classmates and my Hispanic classmates, in comparison to what I have faced in my life, like, yes, I've had some shitty things said to me, but in no way proportionate to what my Black and brown classmates ever went through like particularly with law school and the inherent biases against people of color in the legal field I mean just the sheer amount of white people I went to school with I ended up going to a private law school (laughs) in Mm -hmm. and just really understanding that I had to take this time to yes I'm a minority yes I have seen a very small amount of adversity because of my race but I never wanted to feel like I was comparing my experiences to them because I knew that if I was anything more than just an ally I would feel like a real asshole about it absolutely yeah I think that is so spot on you know like you know it I feel like it's a common you know saying stereotype that you know, like Asians are kind of like the race in between, like they're a minority, but they're kind of white at the same time. And I felt like the only perspective I have on this is as a white person. It was a really interesting and honest moment for me. Yeah, I I think it was definitely very much the same way. I really had to look back on my experiences and just remember, because at first I was very much like, yeah, I've experienced racism. And then I had to think about it. And people even tell me, like, if they hear me on the phone, if they see my name, I pass for white. I've also known that, like, the model minority, yes, it's kind of a myth. But at the same time, the Asian stereotypes are so, so different than black and brown stereotypes. And they're yeah. all, like, academically driven. But at math and science. Mm-hmm. Because I was not, yeah, I feel like I've even had people like you know say to me, Are you sure you're not like half white or something? Because you know, like my my voice or my mannerisms or the way I carry myself just comes off as so, I guess, Mm -hmm. in their mind, like not Asian. I'm getting to the point, granted, you'd think as a lawyer, I'd be more assertive about stuff, but. I am just so, like, I don't know, weirdly afraid of people misunderstanding why I say certain things. 
and yeah. like feel the need to explain things. Interesting. Yeah. And granted, I view my adoption with a very dark sense of humor to the point where I joke that it's buying. I always jokingly call it buying babies. And my parents get obviously <laughs> oh quite upset about it. And so <laughs> I try to not do it as much, particularly around them. But I mean, I have definitely yeah. said that like at my law school and had to explain. And like <laughs> that, I know that like that is my particular dark sense of humor. And like it's really twisted and kind of messed up. But like that's how I dealt with it for a really long time. But I feel less of a need to explain that than I do the need to explain where am I from, which is crazy to me. Why do you think that your your parents so adopt from South Korea? My parents told me that I guess the Korean oh, adoption see, wow. agency asked my mom, like, would you preference a girl or a boy? And she told them, you can give me a boy, but if you do, I'm coming back in a year or two to get a girl. Because I know she always wanted one of each. But after that, I begged when I was little for a baby brother. I didn't want a little sister, but I wanted another sibling. And I wanted a baby brother. And But my parents very straight up told me that they were done with it too. Oh my God. I feel that like I want a sibling thing so hard. God, that is always something that I wanted, like, was a sibling. And it's funny because my parents told me that had they not been older when they adopted me, if they had been younger, they perhaps would have adopted again. But, like, the process was so grueling that they just couldn't do it more than one time. My parents were – my dad just turned 60 or 61? No. He's no, he did turn 61 this mm-hmm. year. So my mom is 60. So they were in their 30s because they got married yeah. pretty early in their 20s. My mom was like 22, about to turn 23. And then what they tried for a few years, but they couldn't have biological babies. So, but they went straight from trying for yeah. several years to, all right, we're going to adopt. So I think. My parents and my boyfriend's parents are about, are really close in age, too. The first time I went to visit, his name is Dash, my boyfriend. I guess I'll stop with him as my boyfriend. The first time I went to visit Uh in the town where his parents (laughs) live, which is in the mountains of South Carolina. So very, very rural. And we went Mm -hmm. to go get barbecue one night. And I could just feel all the eyes on me. And I remember being so uncomfortable and everyone was no one was rude everyone was like very very nice but you could just tell it wasn't staring for anything bad just staring because it's something that they are not used to but I think I've just gotten used to being like looked at weirdly and even in law school I was one of maybe two or three Asian people in the law school at once. And there were about 120 to 150 students per law school class. So 120 or to 150 times Mm -hmm. three. And there was only two or three of us ever. And so I just got used to being kind of a spectacle. And I also, granted, I'm a very loud person. Yeah, like I... 
always felt like it's as if if you're not Asian, adopted or not, it's like if you're not Asian, you the way that I feel like you look at Asian people is like one of two ways. You can either see Asian as like a fresh off the boat type of Asian where they're like wicked quiet and they like just kind of walk with their head down. Or you could have like the millennial Asian who they would probably call Uh, like exotic or something and like be super like fascinated with right and it's like there's and I sometimes feel like there's only those two like views of Asian yeah people or at least girls use like the dating apps as a girl and the weird messages from white guys that was where I really figured out how Asian girls are viewed Oh, yeah, like the weird fetishes. God, and all I could think was this is really how white guys think of us. Like, we're not all one thing. We're not all like a busty anime character or like literally your like closet nerd. It's not like those are your only options. Like, it's not my thing. And the amount of guys who would be like, oh my gosh, you want to watch anime? His other weird, gross messages. But it's like, (laughs) dude, just because I'm Asian does not mean I want to watch anime with you. I really try to lean away from my Asian-ness and just be, like, white. Mm -hmm. And felt really awkward because Mm -hmm. I always felt like I was not Asian enough to do Asian things with Asian people. But I was also very clearly not white enough to be. yes. I mean, considered fully white. And he was always so, and I really tried to lean yeah. away from the Asianness yeah. my first year of college. And thank goodness, a girl named Jenny mm-hmm. Choi, who is amazing and wonderful, really tried to like bring me into the Asian fold. But I was just like, I always felt <laughs> yes. so awkward and uncomfortable being included in Asian spaces or like, I always felt like I was yes. invading them. Whereas places I knew I didn't necessarily fit in completely, but I felt more comfortable there. I was super self-conscious about like, I don't know, doing an activity that was like stereotypically like not Chinese because I was worried that people would think like, oh, what is she doing here? Like she doesn't belong here. But then at the same time, I would be comforted to see like other Asian people in that class or like in that program and I was like but no I don't associate myself as being Asian so why would like the presence of other Asians comfort me if I don't associate myself like that and it was just like this weird like like just feedback loop I mean I grew up with so many adopted Asian girls that for my entire and the first ones I met were in kindergarten And I mean, one of them is still like my one of my closest friends, my God. But I always grew Mm -hmm. up with that blanket of like, this is normal. This is okay. And then when I got kicked out into the real world with and there were very few adopted Asian girls. And (laughs) it was crazy how immediately uncomfortable I became doing things that I had always been comfortable with because 
I just didn't have that security blanket of like the knowledge that what I did was okay mm-hmm. as an Asian person or as an adopted. I don't know. It was very, very weird. <laughs> no, I totally, totally hear you. I feel like it completely affected yes. like the whole like click situation in school, like in high school, because I had like my click of Asian. It was literally like the scene from Mean Girls where they're like the cool Asians, the nerdy Asians, and then like the popular like white kids over here, right? And I felt like I had like a toe in each like pond, so to speak, but could never ever like fully dive head first. Especially in college because like all the Asian girls I met, except for I think one, were all like Asian born or first or second generation Asian American. And so like, I was so used to Asian girls who Mm -hmm. got treated like white girls, that all of a sudden it was like, oh, now you have to confront if you're actually going to be Asian, if you're going to be the adopted Asian girl, or if you're going to try to be white. And it was time to pick one. And I, yeah. Hence why I spent my whole senior year writing a paper on adopted people. That you definitely come to a point where you feel for better or worse, like whether it be self pressure or external pressure, like you have to pick one. Like, because, yeah, I don't and I know, know for like, me, it was so much just self pressure, just because I always just wanted to know where I stood in the yeah. world, and that I put so much pressure on myself to pick one or the other to the point where now I've just kind of accepted that mm-hmm. some people are going to look at me and see an Asian person, other people, like my family, are going to look at me and see their child or yeah. whatever and not really consider my racial background as much. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to look at me and especially hear me and be like, Oh, like she's made look Asian, but we clock her as very white presenting. My family says the same thing. They say like, Nope, we don't see you as like Asian yeah. or white. We just see you as our family. Like you've always been there. And exactly. like it's all, it's like they don't see the race at all. They just see like the person underneath, which is so yeah. like pure and so like how special, right? <laughs> oh, okay. So like this is basically the end of like, to have someone I don't really know at all. Just like understand the way yeah. <laughs> adopted, especially like Asian adopted kids feel. It's just so it's always nice to have that validated totally. that you're not crazy. Absolutely. I feel like that, that is like, that actually, rem- I'm glad you said that. Cause that reminds me of like, when you were talking about how, you know, you don't want like the, like your, your dealing with your race and coming to terms with your identity, like to weigh on your parents and your family, because you know, it's not on them. It's, yeah. it's not their, it's not their journey. It's, it's your journey. It's on your path. Like that totally resonates with me. And I feel like that's the other motivating factor as to why I kind of wanted to start this project and see if it would go anywhere. Because, you know, as much as we love our families and as much as they're there for us and don't judge us or don't see 
a certain race, like it's still yeah something that they are on the other side of the line of. Whereas, you know, even though you and I have never met and this is the first time we are speaking to each other and we haven't even known of each other's existence for more than like a week, it is still like something where like we can stand on like one side of this line together and talk about it in a way that like no one else can ever do is no matter how much they love us or no matter how well they know us. And I just think that like, it's super cool that you were willing to go there with me and talk about it. And this is amazing. You're doing great, girl. Thank you. You, If you could see me, I'm like smiling from ear to ear. I really love that. Oh my God, I'm so happy to have you. It was perfect. You were so great. And I don't want to keep you any longer. So okay. I'll let you go. Bye. Awesome. Okay, that was the end of my conversation with Michelle. I really enjoyed getting to know her and talking with her. And I hope you did too. My question for this week is, okay, so I just finished The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. And oh my gosh, guys, it is so good. I happen to love chess. But even if you don't and aren't interested, I highly recommend you watch it. It's very cerebral and it really draws you in. It's just so good. It's such a good drama. But I just finished it. And so I need something else to watch. And I figure that a lot of us are in the same boat given the pandemic and isolation and the cold weather. So my question is, what are some good TV series or movie recommendations to watch? And just like last time, I will post on the Instagram feed where you can leave any comments or suggestions. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'm Adopted, Now What? Hosted by me, Liza. If you liked what you heard, then please be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Leave a good review and share this episode with a friend. If there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on a later episode, DM me and tell me all about it. You can do that and find this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at I'm Adopted. Dot podcast. <laughs>